Well, we want to dismiss our kids this morning. They're going to go to Children's Church, and the kids that came out of Children's Church in the early service today, they were just, uh, they were so excited. They had an awesome time. I appreciate the volunteers for all those that work to teach our kids. It's what it's all about. How many of y'all, I'm, I'm watching kids skip out of here going to Children's Church. How many of y'all skipped in here? They are so excited, so excited. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. We're continuing our series we're calling The Movement. Just a reminder to mention something that Hunter said. If you're a volunteer, if you're planning on working vacation Bible school tonight, they just want to meet with you briefly following the service, and it will be very brief. Uh, We don't want to keep you long. We know uh, you've got things to do, uh, but uh, just need to have a real quick volunteer meeting Uh, with those of you that have signed up to help immediately following service today here in the sanctuary. Uh, But glad you're here. We're continuing this series. We've been in this, I think, this week five now, a series we're calling The Movement. It's a study that we're doing out of the book of Acts. Uh, So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter four uh, today. And, And what we've been seeing in this series Uh, is basically this. If you haven't been with us or maybe you've missed a few weeks, I really want to encourage you to go back and catch up. You can listen to them on podcast. Uh, You can order DVDs. You can go to our website. There's lots of ways to listen to it. Someone shared with me this morning, they've been listening to the podcast at work. Uh, One day they forgot their earbuds and asked the uh, people working around them if it was okay uh, if they listened to the podcast while they worked and said, uh, they didn't mind, so they listened to it and said, one girl said, is that all you do at church is go and listen to that guy talk forever? <clears throat> and uh, so some of you feel that way. Some of you have expressed you'd like for me to preach longer. I, I have, uh, for those of you that have been critical of how long they've been in the past, I, I want you to know I've cut them down dramatically uh, the past year. I've probably shortened the messages, but uh, God is good and he is faithful. And I've been excited about this series. We've been studying uh, out of the book of Acts. And and basically what we've been seeing in this series is that Christianity, uh, you know, so many people I I think are maybe confused or, or maybe not aware of how it started, when it started, what all that looked like, how it took place. Uh, but Christianity did not begin as an institution. Uh, it didn't begin uh, as a building program, but instead it started as this, this mighty movement of God in, in just a few people. Uh, you know, in, in 12 people uh, is where the movement began, and it just exploded and it spread, and now it's gone to, you know, the ends of the earth. But uh, unfortunately, uh, now people don't think of Christianity as that. They don't Think of the church uh, as a movement. Many people uh, today still see it as just a place where they go, a a place where we attend and uh, an event that that, uh, we go to when our busy schedule permits it to happen and and so forth. And so what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at the start of the church, how it began, these first century Christians, uh, how this movement began. And and we've seen two things. It began with with two distinctive ideas and thoughts. Number one is this. They were simply captured by the message. They were captivated by the message. 
this message of Jesus Christ and that he was the only way to, to be saved and, and he, you know, through the death, burial, and resurrection, it's the only hope that we have in, in eternity and in uh, healing and in life uh, forevermore. And so you know, they, they, they were so captured by this message that they couldn't help but want to share it with other people because it was the only hope that everyone in this world would have. So they, they were captured by the message, and not only were they captured by the message and passionate about the message, but they surrendered their lives to it. They surrendered their lives to the Holy Spirit. We saw where the Holy Spirit came upon them. They yielded to the Holy Spirit. They surrendered to the Holy Spirit. They understood that they could do none of this that God had commissioned them to do without the help of the Spirit working in and through their lives. So the movement began by people who were radically uh, uh, excited and changed by this message and wanted to share it with others. And they did that through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. And, and so we see here in the book of Acts exactly what this looks like. All right, to be captured by the message. We see what it looks like to be yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. And, and think about it. Christian, Christianity was a revolutionary movement. All right, When you look back on it and you see what took place, it was a revolutionary movement with a message that swept the world. Think about it now with no army. Right? There was no military action that was required for this revolution that took place. They didn't need even any money. They didn't even really need qualified people. I mean, if you look at it, none of these people had positions of influence. None of them were terribly educated. Matter of fact, there's a, a, in, in, a, there's a scripture, and I can't remember where it's from right now, where oh, uh, they, they talk about, it. oh, it's here in Acts, <laughs> the book we're studying. Uh, but Luke's talking about them, and he was like, it's obvious they were uneducated, you know, and I love that. You know, I'm sure Peter probably read that and like, why did you even have to put that in there? I mean, what, what's the point of you saying they obviously are not educated people, right? They're not smart enough to pull all this off even if they wanted to. And, and so basically, this all started with 12 fishermen and, and some carpenters, right, uh, that were radically committed to the message, this gospel message of Jesus Christ, the good news of what Jesus was all about. It started with 12. And so we look at these 12. We look at these that began the movement. We think of them as heroes. We read the stories. We know what they went through. We know what they endured. We know the sacrifices they made. And they're heroes of our faith. They were heroes. People and every movement, if you think about it, has its heroes, right? I mean, someone that's out front, leading the charge, leading the way, creating the passion, you know, someone to follow. And every movement has its heroes, people who act in certain ways that inspire us. They inspire the people around them and the, the rest of us. And so today we're going to look inside the heart of these Christian heroes, and we're going to look and see what it is that, that made them uh, heroes. And my hope and my prayer today is that you will see... That this can be you. That, that you will see that, that the kind of hearts and the passion that they had for this message. The kind of hearts and the, the passion that they had for this movement can be ours as well 2,000 years later. Right? It, right? Amen. Yeah, man. Thank you, Frank. Frank, if it wasn't for you, I'd probably already quit. You know? <laughs> Thank you. For uh, encouraging me, but you know it's it's it, the the same the same power that was available to those twelve when they began the movement is available to us today. 
All right, and so I believe, call me crazy, but I believe we can see the same kind of things that they experienced when the church was started back 2,000 years ago. Because, you know, the, these, these first Christian heroes, they didn't start out extra, ex, extraordinary. I, I threw, butchered that word last week. But, you know, they didn't start out with, with any great like, education. They didn't start out with any great positions in society. They didn't start out rich. They didn't start out wealthy. You know, they, they were just simple people. Think about Peter, the, the guy that God used in such powerful ways we see here in the book of Acts. He was timid. He was scared. He was unfaithful. He ran away at the first sign of danger. You look at Peter's story up until this point, he was a failure that a lot of churches probably would have kicked to the curb by now, right? I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is, just common, ordinary people that were struggling, uh, you know, to follow Jesus. And, and, he, and Peter, with all of his flaws, with all of his weaknesses, with all of his past failures, what happened? Peter became a hero. Why? Through his experience with the gospel, by being captured by the message, by uh, being yielded to the Spirit, Peter became a great hero of faith. And I would argue today that if you believe what he believed, that you can become what he was. I believe that. I believe that for you. You may not believe it for yourself, but I look at the life of Peter, and a lot of you look a lot like him, <laughs> right? I mean, you're nothing spectacular, and you've got your flaws, and you've had your failures, and your past is not so shiny. And I believe with all my heart that if you will believe what he believed, you can become what he became. And because honestly, we need some heroes to come forward in this movement right now. We need some people to step up. We need some people to be radically motivated, radically changed, passionate about this movement. We need some people to do that. We need some heroes that will make a difference in this world the way that these first century Christians did when the movement began. And even though this movement has made its way to every corner of the world and practically to every part of the world, can I just tell you there are still some areas that it hasn't reached there's still some areas that the movement hasn't reached, and some of those areas are right here in our own community. Some of those areas are in some of your families. Some of those areas are in the workplace that you go to every single day or the school that you attend. And that's what it's all about. It's about the movement moving, about the movement being spread, the message being spread. That was Jesus' call to us as his disciples. It started with 12. Now there's millions around this world. Surely we can get the movement and the message into every crevice and crack of society, even in McDonald's. It could happen there. You know, and, and so, you know, we need some heroes to embrace this movement so that it will continue and make it happen. We need that desperately. Now, before we dig into this today, I just want to say up front in talking about heroes, I believe in our world today, there's a lot of confusion about what a hero is. Uh, I read an article recently that said we don't know the difference today in our society. A lot of people don't know the difference between what a hero is and, and what a, uh, a celebrity is. Uh, and, and it gave some examples of celebrities that were labeled as heroes when in all reality all they did was just some, some incidental things that took place. Uh, they made reference to Jamie Lee Curtis. Said she was passenger 
uh, in a car accident. And in this car accident, she sustained some, some minor injuries in the accident. She called her friend and fellow actress Jodie Foster, uh, who showed up to ride with her in the ambulance to the hospital to get checked out. The press covered it, made a big deal out of it, and they labeled Foster as a hero, right? Apparently showing up for a slightly injured friend today qualifies you as a hero, uh, if you're, on, you know, can make the news. Brad Pitt, there was a story circulating uh, around about him that he had pulled one of his fans out of the water. Uh, what was going on was they had a photo shoot. There was some water nearby. This man fell into it. He wasn't drowning. Brad Pitt just went and helped him get out of the water. And again, Pitt was labeled uh, by the media as a hero when he did this. And this one wasn't covered in the article that I read, but many of you remember this highly successful Olympian by the name of Bruce Jenner. He decided he didn't want to be a man anymore, and so he underwent a transition uh, that would take him from being male Bruce to female Caitlin. And because of that, he, and I say he because that's how he was created, he was awarded the Author Ash Award for Courage and labeled a hero because he had a sex change. I think the world has it all messed up about what a hero is in our world today. Right? I may be wrong, but I just don't see any of these people or their circumstances as being heroic. They are not heroes. Uh, they are celebrities, and there's a difference between a hero and a celebrity, and we can't confuse that. Right? Because heroes are admired for what? They're admired for their bravery, they're admired for their character. Right? Celebrities are admired for their beauty and their talent. Heroes rise up out of suffering and we respect them for what they've been through and what they've gone through. Celebrities live in dysfunction and we're just amused by it. Roseanne, all right, just an example. Heroes make us, now heroes make us feel unworthy. When we're in the presence of a hero, we just feel unworthy to be in their presence. Celebrities make us feel just special just to be able to be around them. Heroes do what? They sacrifice for others. Celebrity enjoys others sacrificing for them. There's a huge difference between a hero and a celebrity. Heroes deflect the praise. Celebrities, they crave it. They want it for themselves. And in this passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning, I'm going to get there eventually. Y'all probably already read the whole chapter by now. But we're going to see some real heroes, and we're going to see what made them heroes. And what they did was not flashy, uh, but instead it was often quiet. It was often behind the scenes. But we're going to see how they responded to threats. We're going to see how they responded to danger, how they responded to pain, and see exactly what it was that caused them uh, to be viewed as heroes in our, in our Christian faith. So let me set this up for us first. Uh, last week, we saw Peter and John. They were uh, going to the temple. They encountered this crippled guy, been crippled all of his life. He was a beggar there. Uh, Peter takes you know, this opportunity. They, they heal the guy. Peter takes the opportunity. Crowds are gathering around because they all knew this guy. They'd walked past him all their life, this crippled uh, beggar. And, and so crowds were gathering around to see what was going on, all the commotion. This guy's running and jumping, you know. And, and, and so Peter takes the opportunity. Hey, got a crowd? Let's preach. Take an offering, right? And so he's, he's preaching to these people, talking about what the miracle means, you know, telling them about Jesus. And, and, and so, you know, the religious leaders, they didn't like it because, oh, here we go again, faith two of this whole Jesus thing. You know, Jesus came performing miracles and saying all these things that he 
he was the king, yada, yada, yada. They told him to hush. He wouldn't hush. They you know, put him on trial. They beat him. They killed him and all these things. And so now the religious leaders are saying, man, these followers of his are just as dumb as he was. We see the same thing coming. And so they're, they're not happy. And so they arrested Peter and John, and they put them in jail. They stayed there overnight. The next day they met before the court, Sanhedrin court, uh, and they were basically told by the, the leaders there, uh, the government leaders and officials of the court there, you know what, it, it would be best if you just shut up. It'd be best if you just hush. Uh, and, and so Peter, being told that, does what Peter does. Peter preached. <laughs> Peter preached to them. Got another crowd. Hey, I'm going to preach. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And he did that. And the court knew, you know, there's been a lot of conflict, a lot going on. You know, we, we, really, we really don't want to, you know, take the drastic steps that we took with Jesus at this point. And so they didn't want to stir up any trouble. So they let them go. But they told them, stop preaching this message of Jesus. You've got to hush about Jesus. You need, to, you need to shut this down. And so they threatened them, but they let them go. All right, and so that's where we're at uh, this morning in chapter 4. I want to pick it up at, at verse 23. On their release, they've been released after being threatened and told these things. Peter and John went back to their own people, and they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them, the warnings, the threats, all these things. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And so the first thing that we need to see here is what they did in the face of danger, in the face of threats, in the face of conflict. What was their natural reaction? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Their natural reaction was prayer. They prayed, right? They prayed. And I can't help but wonder what our reaction would have been. Would the first thing that, that you know, we would do, would, would the first thing that we do, would it be to pray? Or would we have, you know, stepped back and say, well, let's analyze this. Let's, you know, let, let's come up with a plan. Okay, I've got, I've got a new rule here. All right, since Peter's kind of like the CEO of the company, John's kind of like the VP, um, let's do this. You guys don't ever need to be together again, all right? Because number one, you're bad for each other. Uh, number two, if they take one of you out, the other one won't be there. They can't take you out at the both, both at the same time. It's too risky. Or, or maybe, maybe we should take out a life insurance policy on these two. Because if something does happen to them, we'd have a pretty good sum of money that we could then go and, and hire us a new leader that's maybe a little more charismatic, smells a little better than Peter, and has better ma manners than Peter does. And so we could, we could hire us a celebrity to lead our cause, and then it would really gain some momentum if we put the right person in front of the crowd, right? And so, or, or, or maybe, maybe we should get a, a fleet of armored Cadillacs. That would, hey, and, and get the secret service to protect these valuable assets because I'll be honest with you, if something happens to Peter and John, the, the whole, the, this whole thing's in jeopardy. So we need to protect them. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe I, I can just picture all this conversation taking place in board meeting. Or maybe, maybe Peter, maybe you could just soften your message a little bit. You're, you're a little abrasive. You're offending people. They're walking out the door saying that you've stepped all over their toes. 
And, and we probably could get this, we could probably draw more people into this movement if you would just sugarcoat that message a little bit and tone it down and just talk about how much Jesus loves people and leave all that other stuff that people don't want to hear off, right? And you shake your head and you think, well, you know, there's no way. Uh, but in all reality, that's exactly what so many people are doing today with the movement and with the message. But these heroes, what do we see them? First thing they do wasn't to, you know, put a security team together. It wasn't to, you know, hire bodyguards. It wasn't to, you know, do all these. The first thing they did was pray. Because like we talked about a, a few weeks ago, when you're walking with the Spirit, when you're part of this movement, prayer will be your natural response. It, it, it will be as natural to you as breathing. And, and we don't have to be reminded. I, don't, I do not have to put in my planner. I have a lot of things in my planner. One time my phone crashed and I took it to the store and, and they reloaded it. And, and I could hear it back there behind the counter. And I could just hear it going. The guy's working on it. I could just hear it going beep, 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 beep. And I thought, that thing's messed up. And it did it for like five minutes. Just sat back there, beep, beep, beep. And the guy walked out and he handed me my phone. And he's, I said, what was that beeping? He said, man, I've worked on lots and lots of these phones. And I had never had one with that many reminders in it. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, everything that I'm told. And I need to remember. But they, they didn't have to put reminders in their phone to pray. It just came natural to them. Y'all, that, that's what being a follower of Jesus is about. Understanding how dependent we are on him to work in our lives because we can't do it uh, on our own. Every day that we wake up, we need to remind ourselves that apart from God, we can do nothing. Apart from God, you're going to be pitiful parents. Apart from God, your marriage is going to stink. Apart from God, you're going to have struggles on the job and with your coworkers. Prayer will be our go-to in every situation for all things. It just will be. So if you have trouble... Doing that, if you have trouble maintaining an active prayer relationship with God where you talk to Him and you go to Him with everything that's going on in your life, I'd challenge you to think about whether or not you really see how dependent you are on Him. Do you think you got this without Him? Because you don't, right? And, and so if we're not people of prayer, basically we're people that are saying we are dependent on the Spirit of God. And I would say if we're not dependent on the Spirit of God, we're not really a part of the movement that's taking place and, and, and going across our world today. The answer is not to just decide to do better, you know, because that's what so many of us do, and we always do it around New Year's. We make some resolutions, don't we? I can do better this year. I'm more, I'm more determined this year than I've ever been, and I will do better. Right? It, it, it's not that we just decide we're going to do better or be better. But it's to go back to the message where we realize how dependent we are on Jesus in our lives. How dependent we are on the power of God to work in and through us to do what it is that we need to do and achieve in this world. And not only that, but to realize how willing he is to help. I believe if we really understood how much our Father wants to help us in our lives, we'd be going to him with everything. Right? And, and that's what they did. Now, I want us to look at what they prayed. Verse 24. They prayed this. Sovereign Lord, 
You made the heavens. You made the earth. You made the sea. And you made everything. And I, I love to read prayers in the Bible because often they remind God of what he's done. They remind him of who he is and what he's done. And basically what they're saying is here, you created all things. You've done things. You're all powerful. We understand that. We understand how powerful you are and how dependent we are upon you, right? He said, you, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, years and years ago. Why do the nations rage against the people? Uh, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Verse 27 says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to stop right there. Don't read ahead. All right? Stop right there. Now, what do you think they prayed for right here? They've just acknowledged God. God, you can do all things. You created everything. You know, you can change anything. You can do anything. You're all powerful. And so, God, we've been reminded by this of what our, you know, David said, and we're reminded of all these things. And now we come to you, Lord. Consider their threats. And now we want you to do this in our lives. Enable your servants to, what do you think they prayed for? Traveling mercies? You think they prayed for traveling mercies? Lord, give us traveling mercies today. You're so powerful, give us traveling mercies. You think they prayed for that? You think they, they, they prayed for uh, safety at this point? Do, do you think they prayed that new leaders would be elected whose platform would align with their agenda and their movement? Go back to verse 29. They prayed, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to what? To speak your word with great boldness. Boldness. They asked for more of it. They asked for more. They're saying, okay, God, we understand. You are all powerful. You can do anything. You create anything. You can change anything. You are who you are. So since you can do all that, would you give us more boldness? <laughs> but when you look at what led up to this, that got them in this mess that they find themselves in right now, wasn't it boldness that got them in all this trouble? Huh? Wasn't it Peter's mouth? He don't know when to shut up. He don't know how to sugarcoat. He just slamming right in there, right? Wasn't it boldness that got them threatened with their lives? It was because they were being bold about their faith and bold in this movement that they were now in this danger, but they prayed for more boldness. And I can't help but wonder, when we find ourselves being persecuted, when we find ourselves going through a difficult situation or maybe in pain, what is it that we pray for? Well, what's our prayer? Because I believe typically we pray for protection. Uh, typically we pray for deliverance from the pain. We pray for healing. We pray for safety. We pray a hedge of protection. And, and, you know, I'm sure they wanted those things too. Don't you imagine? Don't you imagine they would love to know that they were safe and 
they had traveling mercies and they weren't going to be in any more pain. I'm sure they wanted those things. But before they prayed for a positive outcome around them, they prayed for a faithful spirit within them that they would be bold for the gospel regardless of what the outcome was. Regardless of what the situation was, their prayer is that they would be bold regardless. They asked God to help them respond in faith to whatever the situation was. So again, when you're in pain or when you're dealing with some kind of problem or dealing with some sort of opposition, what do you pray for? Do you pray that God would make you faithful through that? Even in the pain? For his glory and for the benefit of his movement, do we ever pray that when we're sick and struggling and going through really bad things? Do we pray that it would just be for the glory of God and his movement? What if, what if we saw that more important than our pain being relieved, more important than that was that other people would know the message and join the movement? I mean, wouldn't that change how we pray? Wouldn't that change our perspective about everything that we encounter every single day? They prayed, help us to continue to speak your word with great boldness. And verse 31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When you pray for boldness, God will give you boldness. And when you have boldness... Things are about to get shook up. That's how the movement began. They were heroes. And because they prayed for boldness, this movement continued on, continued to grow, continued to move forward. The movement continued. And, and, and not only that, because their kids and their grandkids heard the message and were moved, future generations responded with, guess what? Boldness as well. The generations following them responded with a boldness. And, and you know what? Because of their boldness and their willingness to take the movement forward, that message made it all the way round, around this world and made it to us. <laughs> it made its way to us. Right, Because they were heroes and they were bold, it led to my salvation. Because they were heroes and they were bold, if you've accepted Christ, you have it because of them. Because they brought it to us. They continued on. They were bold. They didn't sugarcoat it. Right? They shared the good news of Jesus Christ. It, it, it's, not a, it, it's not a message that, you know, is about beating us up. It's about a message of forgiveness and mercy and grace. But, oh, by the way, if you don't accept it, it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to end well. And, and so they, because they were heroes, they were willing to be bold with the message and keep the movement going forward. Well, what if some people stepped up to be heroes like this today? Well, what do you think would happen? If some people stepped up to be these kind of heroes, what if we realize, God, what I'm going through right now, I, I, I understand it's under your control. No matter what it is, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's under your control and you can change it in an instant. You know, what if we realize that? And, and, and God, you have promised to us that all things, both good and bad, for the progress of your movement and the message. 
It's all for you. It's all for your purpose. You're going to take the good. You're going to take the bad. You're going to take the ugly. And you're going to use it for your glory and for your purpose. And even though, you know, life may seem overwhelming and it seems like the waves keep crashing in over and over and over again, I'm going to trust that you are in the waves. I'm going to trust that you are over it and you are working in it. Well, what if our first thought to every challenge and every pain was, God, you're going to use this to bring you glory? What if that was our first thought when we hurt, when people hurt us, when we faced difficult situations? God, you're going to use this to accomplish your purpose. How would that change our perspective? How would that change our prayer lives? Lost your job? What if God wanted to use that so that other people would see him? Right? What if God wanted to use that for his purpose and for his movement? Got a bad health report? What if God wanted to use that so other people might see him and be drawn to the movement? What if our first reaction was, Oh God, why me? And instead, how can I use this? How can I leverage this to further God's work and his mission? You know, and what if on the other hand, let's flip the coin of that. Because I'm just talking about bad and pain and sickness and all that. Let's flip the coin. Let's look at the other side of it. What if on the other hand, you received some awesome blessings? Huh? Awesome job. I mean, one of those great jobs that everybody wants to have. You work 10 hours a week and make $10 million, right? <laughs> Don't become a preacher. Maybe you've got a great talent. Maybe you've got a great job. Maybe you make a lot of money. What if, in and through that, we just kind of step back and say, you know what? God gave me this job for a reason. God gave me this talent for a reason. God's blessed me with these finances for a reason. And that reason is the purpose of his mission. That the movement will go forward. And it will continue. He didn't, he didn't bless us with great jobs and, 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 and fat bank accounts and all the blessings that he gives us and pours it out on us. He, 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 didn't, he didn't give us that so that we can build our own kingdom. He gave you that so that you would build his kingdom. Being a part of this movement and believing the message of Jesus, can I just tell you? If you're a follower of Jesus on this movement, number one, you will be bold, and number two, you will be generous. It is what it is because generosity comes from the cross. And oh, by the way, Jesus gave his life for yours. How generous was that? He gave his life. For you, and we are in turn to give our lives away for others. When you're on the movement, you'll be a generous per- person. And we get our, where do we get our boldness from? This boldness that we we're talking about, this boldness that these heroes had in the first century church, where'd that come from? It came from an empty tomb. Huh? That's where our boldness comes from. Our boldness comes from this spirit that resides in us and is alive in us and at work in us is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's where you get your boldness from. You got that kind of power flowing through your veins. You should have a little boldness about you. Don't be worried about what people think or what people say. 
We will have a boldness because of an empty tomb. Because think about it, with Jesus, what, what, you know, what, what looked to be his defeat became our victory, became his victory. We get our boldness from that same power that's at work in us. He will turn whatever appears to be defeat into victory for his purposes. So, so what does this look like from a practical standpoint? I mean, none of us are going to stand before the Sanhedrin court tomorrow. Um, at least I hope none of you are standing before a court tomorrow. But, but anyways, you know, how does this look from a practical standpoint? I always, when I was a youth pastor, I would always say, you know, if, if what we're teaching, if what God's word says to us, if that doesn't help you tomorrow when you go to school, then, you know, we're wasting our time teaching it to you. It's important that, that whatever it is that we learn from God's word, that we can apply that to our lives every day. It's important. That's, that's why it's there. So, so what does this look like? Well, what does this look like when, when you go to work tomorrow or you go to the, the wheel tomorrow or Burger King or Harps, wherever you go? What does that look like? How do we apply this? Because honestly, most of us are probably beginners when it comes to be, being a hero. Okay? Probably are. Uh, most of us are probably a little, little early in the stages of, of being bold uh, because th- this idea of being bold kind of freaks some of you out because you don't know what that means. All right, what, what does being bold look like? Does that mean that I'm going to be considered a freak everybody I'm around? Uh, you already are, but anyway. But, but don't miss this. If we will pray for God to give us boldness, and I don't know if you're praying that prayer yet or not, but just so you know, I'm praying it for you. But let's just say that if we will pray for God to give us boldness, he'll give it to us. And he'll also give you opportunities to use it. All right? And and it might look like this. It might be an opportunity for you to say something maybe when it would be easier just to be quiet. Maybe a conversation going on. Maybe someone's, I I, I don't know. But there's lots of times we find ourselves in situations where we're just like, we want to say something, but we don't. Because we don't want to create any conflict. We don't want to create debate. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. So we just keep our mouth shut. Um, you know, it's simply being bold for Christ is simply us taking advantage of the opportunities that God has put in our path. All right, that's bold. Just take advantage of the situation. Uh, and, and instead of telling someone, you know, we, we encounter people every day. You know you do at work or wherever it is that you go every day. We hear someone tell a story about something bad that's going on in their life, right? I mean, we hear it all the time. It's not just me. I know you guys hear it. You share it with me all the time. You, you, you've got a friend or someone that you work with and that, you know, that they've got this and this and this going on and it's really bad. Maybe just instead, you know, when they tell us that story, Instead of us going, man, I really hate that for you. Maybe, just maybe being bold would look like, boy, I really hate this for you, but could I pray for you? Could I pray with you and then do it? That would be a bold step for some of us because a lot of times we just say, man, I hate that for you. I'll be praying for you. See you tomorrow. You know, how bold would it be just to pray right then? That'd be bold. Be bold for, for, for some of us to do that. Maybe it's as, as simple as, as you sharing your story. 
Can I just tell you, you know, we, we experience a lot of great moments in our life. We always talk about, you know, the birth of our children, you know, birth of our grandchildren, uh, wedding days, uh, you know, all, all these things are the greatest moments in our lives. Can I tell you that the greatest moment that you have ever experienced in your life is when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? There is nothing that tops that. Nothing. The greatest thing that has ever happened in your life. Maybe being bold would be as simple as, as just saying, hey, could I tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me? You know, maybe they've told you their discouragement or disappointments or whatever it is that they're going through and just go, let me tell you about the greatest decision I ever made. And then there you go. You've got an opportunity. Being bold could be as simple as just giving God credit and glory for the things that he's doing in our lives. You know, that somebody points something out in your life and you just say, yeah, praise God. He blessed me with that. It's all his. He just let me take care of it for now. Giving God the credit. Giving God the glory for, for, for everything in our life. And, and, and not only that, but you can also create these opportunities. And uh, I, I was talking to Lynette and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. We've got some new neighbors that just moved in. And so, you know, we're kind of sizing them up. We're sitting on the porch watching them, you know, move. And, and, and I'm saying, you know, I could be over there helping. Uh, but, you know, we can create these opportunities. Uh, you know, get to know your neighbors. Because when you get to know them, then you're going to find out what's going on in their lives. And then that gives you an opportunity. That's an open door that you can create for yourself. Some of you don't even know who your neighbors are. You don't know your neighbors' names. You can create that opportunity. Invite that coworker that you work with, the one you don't know very well. Just invite them to lunch one day. It's amazing what you can learn about somebody in 30 minutes over a meal. You know? Creating opportunities opening doors for the movement to spread through the workplace and through our families and through our, our communities. But for some of you, I'll be honest with you, your first step in being bold, in becoming a hero on this movement, is simply just praying for it. That's some of your first step, is just praying this prayer that the disciples pray. Your First bold action toward boldness is going to be for you to ask for boldness and ask God to, to give you that. My hope and my prayer is, is that you will become a hero for those that are in your life. That you will become a faith hero for those in your family, for those in your workplace, for those in your circles. That you will become the faith hero that they need in their life. Because this movement is sustained in part through the heroic actions of the church. It is. This massive movement has happened all over this world. The question now is whether this movement will affect your family, whether this movement will affect our community. And you know what? That will only be determined in how you respond to fear, how you respond to threats, how you respond to pain. Think about it. Here in Acts chapter 4, we are right in the middle of this mighty movement of the Spirit of God. It's what we're witnessing here. It's what we're studying, what we're reading about. This mighty rushing wind is blowing through the church, and the world is being shaken because of it. Huh? It, it is. Don't miss this. When you join this movement, 
when you are a part of this movement, you'll see the same things happen in your family. We'll see the same things happen in our church. We'll see the same things happen in our community that happened here in Acts. That's what this is all about. Listen, Jesus' movement has happened, and it's going to continue with or without you. Without you is a really bad option for you. The question is this. Will this movement affect your family and affect our community? And whether or not you're a hero is simply going to be determined by this, how you respond. It's going to be determined by how you respond. That's what this movement is all about. It's our response and faithfulness to God to do what He has empowered us to do through the power of His Holy Spirit. We just yield to it and walk in it and accept it. So this morning, I'm praying for boldness for our church. I'm praying boldness for you. And I'm praying that God will show you opportunities to be bold, even this afternoon and in the days ahead. Let me pray for you. God, uh, we're so grateful and so thankful for your awesome love for us, for those that have gone before. We look back to these original disciples that that, that, cre- that started this movement to begin with, that you left them with this huge task. And, and we think how incredible it is and how powerful you were working in and through them and how it spread and, and where it's gone over the last 2,000 years. But it, it's continued to move, and this message has continued to be carried by people who were faithful to the movement and who were bold in their hearts and in their responses. So, God, I'm praying that for me. I'm praying that for our church. I'm praying that for the families that are represented here today. Because, God, I believe that when we yield to the Holy Spirit and we are so captured by the message as these first century Christians were, God, I believe you will shake our world. I believe you want to shake this world in the days ahead so that people would know you and recognize your power and recognize your love for them. So God, as we go out from this place, just help us to be aware of the opportunities to be bold for you. Maybe give us some creative ideas about how to create these opportunities so we can get connected to people we may have never been connected to before, just so that we could be able to share with them this great and awesome news of what you've done in our lives. And so, God, we'll always be careful to point people to you and give you the praise and give you the glory that you rightly deserve. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I love you guys. Don't forget, if you got kids hadn't signed up for VBS yet, you can do that at the Welcome Center. Beat the crowd tonight.